The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning to you. Top of the morning to all. I'm glad you're with us here on San Antonio Sports Star. He's Rudy. I'm Rob. Uh, we promised him to you. He's here. His name is Roland Lazenby, uh, author of Great Esteem, uh, author of the best book I ever read on Michael Jordan, and he's got a new one out, the, the full and extended version. It's Magic Johnson, the life of Irvin Magic Johnson, the writer Roland Lazenby, and he's right here with us. Good morning, sir. Congratulations on what is a uh, phenomenal effort. Thank you very much. How are things in one of my favorite cities? Oh, you like San Antonio? That's a good thing. Oh, yes. Okay, Roland. So then you know about Mr. When are you going to write the Wimby book? Yeah, we hope in about t- 10 years <laughs> you, you are endeavoring on writing the next uh, novel, the, 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 serving the game, as it were. Let's talk about the book, first of all. Um, in your in your writing, and you also have a great book on Kobe as well, you have certainly kind of gone to the Mount Rushmore of those types. Uh, give us some some the traits that Magic Johnson brought that he shares with Michael and Kobe and the like, and then tell us a little bit about how Magic is indeed different from those uh, Mount Rushmore types. Yeah, you know, they all have their place. And Magic's place really came along at a time when the NBA was really struggling in the late 70s. Ratings had dropped 25% on regular season games. Part of the NBA Finals was on tape delay. You know, it wasn't an unfamiliar story. Pro basketball in America struggled mightily for decades. About the only thing they could do was stage doubleheaders with the Harlem Globetrotters. People would pay to see the trickeration. Well, here comes Magic. He's a regular, majorly competitive dude, and he brings the whole Globetrotter thing like even the Globetrotters couldn't do. Running that fast break, it, uh, those no-look passes, and... and you know, it, it set people on edge, especially his teammates, because they didn't know when they were going to get hit upside the head. You know, and <laughs> even at Michigan State, they had practiced ducking to avoid those bullet passes when they'd come. But, boy, he made everything fun, and he just came right at those crowds, and here comes Larry with him. Yeah, did and so- here comes David Stern with the vision. <laughs> That's true. And the, things jumped up and ran. Was there any truth? Because the 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 Showtime the book is always more accurate, but the Showtime series on HBO Max, there were people with, within the Lakers, according to the show, that didn't want to take Magic one because they had Norm Nixon, and two, they just thought it'd be better money wise if they drafted the white guy and Larry Bird. It just made more sense. Was there any truth to that? That that some people you know, didn't want to draft Magic. Well, I have to explain. I was okay. sitting in a hotel room in Texas with Jerry West. Wow. In 1990, looking back on the whole magic thing, he was down there scouting um, Eldon Campbell. And so wow. we talked over two days, and Jerry admitted to me then, he said, you know, the things you could see about magic you liked, but you just weren't sure where he was going to fit in the NBA. He had that high dribble. He really didn't have a good jump shot wasn't a great leaper, and Wes said something to me that I've used a million times since. He said, you know, you can see what people can do on the floor, 
but you can't read their hearts. And what you couldn't understand and see is that Magic Johnson had that big old heart beating in his chest. Now, Dr. Jack Ramsey, that other basketball a supposed basketball genius told me the same thing. He said, I didn't see him ever being a point guard. And we we took advantage of that weak left hand when he was a rookie. He came back the next year. You, you couldn't get him the same way. And Billy Packer, I did five books with Billy Packer. Billy, uh, before he passed, he spent a lot of time with me. And nobody at all the supposed basketball intelligentsia could project that that magic would be the perfect number one pick. If you think about it, you had Jack Kent Cook, the outgoing owner of the Lakers, and you had Jerry Buss, the incoming owner. Two guys who really didn't know a heck of a lot about basketball. And when they're making a pick based on a guy's nickname and smile, <laughs> those right. are the kinds of things that have wrecked basketball teams forever. Uh, Roland Lazenby joining us. Uh, his brand new book regarding Magic Johnson does come on the heels that there's a, an HBO kind of mockumentary about the Showtime days. And the what you, you've got a great book on Jerry West as well. Uh, the portrayal of Jerry West in that series, how uh, how close is it to his personality? Because he wasn't portrayed very nicely. And quite frankly, you talked about the smile and the pizzazz. That's something Jerry never had. He was more of the workman. Now, he was the logo, and he lost a lot of games, big games, but he, was, he wasn't flash and dash. He was a bucket getter. Did he? Was there a difference between his mentality and magic that attracted him, or was it just he had to get him because he saw what a lot of people didn't see was that heart above and beyond the game? You know, when I did the biography, Jerry's brother, Charles, um, spent a lot of time with me, and he um, revealed that that Jerry had been on medication for a long time over mental health issues. And I, I think that series was despicable in this regard. It, it obviously had figured that out from Jerry's own book and from sort of between the pages of mine and had bullied Jerry over his mental health. And they did it in a cartoonish fashion. Mm -hmm. It didn't involve facts. He didn't throw some trophy through the window of his office because he didn't have any windows in his office. But Jerry was an excitable guy. My book on Jerry West opened with me. I was rebounding free throws in the empty form for Kobe in 99. Nice. As, as, as the Lakers were getting killed in the playoffs. You guys will remember it well. Very well. And Jerry West is over there flirting with this Beautiful, absolutely beautiful <laughs> TV reporter. And uh, and after I, I finish with Kobe, I go over to sit, and they're just the first rumors that Phil Jackson might be the next coach of the Lakers. And I mentioned that to Jerry just offhandedly, and he goes, ask Phil Jackson. And I'm going, whoa, wow. whoa, Jerry, no, no, I, 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 I don't mean that. And he goes, no, F Phil Jackson. And Jerry could have some very angry episodes that part of that was what made him great. I mean, he, he, he wouldn't display that often, usually with some dumb reporter like me, but uh, he, he was a guy that had this, he shared 
what I would call a very unhappy perfectionism with his mother. I saw him sitting. He was getting recruited. I saw this picture of him sitting with Fred Schaus, the coach at West Virginia, his mm-hmm. mother and father, uh, right when Jerry was signing to go play college ball. And there's Fred Schaus and Jerry's father. They're grinning ear to ear. And there are Jerry and his mother just looking in the cam- camera, just glowering, frowning to beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a happy moment he's signing to play at wvu and you you know though the 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 hard story this jerry had an older brother david when jerry was 13 his brother david was killed in korea and jerry and his mother suffered a nervous breakdown together right at that time you know as we look at what jerry did and bringing up a guy that was so fundamentally different from him and personality wise who was such a magnetic guy and jerry was just roundly considered that it's just kind of a hard-nosed type what was it about magic johnson and his way of you know running a team and the showtime part of the basketball stuff that translated into the business success that he's seen since he left because obviously what he did is transferred very easily into the business world and why was that well it's very organic from his youth and you know when i do these biographies i want to go back to the or like the organic kobe everybody assigned all these motives to what what was going on with kobe i wanted to go back and just follow the development and magic johnson when he was little Irvin, he you know his father was an auto worker who had seven kids in the house and 10 overall and he had a, a garbage hauling business on the side and right. Irvin uh, worked uh, for these two very prominent black businessmen in the community who were very successful pillars of the community he Irvin loved as a boy sitting in that movie theater and he had ideas that he wanted to pursue, not just in basketball, but from a young age, he has been the ultimate control freak. He drove the agenda like you wouldn't believe. His high school teammates did. We couldn't play our game. We had to play the way Irvin played, we, or we wouldn't be on the floor. His high school coaches, I did 50 interviews with each one of them, they – you know, nobody had a big guy handling the ball and being the point guard, but Irvin set the agenda, and they looked at each other and said, you know what, we're stupid if we don't follow. He changed coaching in so many ways, and he did it because it was his vision, his determination, the way he wanted to play the game. Roland Lazenby joining us here on San Antonio Sports Star. The book is available at all the major outlets. It's about Magic Johnson called The Life of Irvin Magic Johnson. And as he takes over in the football world, he's seen success in the baseball world. He's a, a movie theater entrepreneur and many, many other things. What does he see as his legacy? Is he no, Does he want to be known as a basketball player or is a businessman, entrepreneur, and you know, aid to the community something that he's aspiring toward? Oh, he's all about black opportunity mm-hmm. and doing it. He's all about doing it uh, red-blooded private enterprise way. He's a very fierce guy in terms of his businesses, and he has contracting businesses all over the place. He uh, is determined in that. You know, I, 
was able to uh, interview Peter Goober for this project. And Peter, of course, owns Mandalay today. Mm-hmm. In 92, he was chairman of Sony USA, and he knew of Magic Johnson. Magic wanted a presentation, and there are these two black guys, Magic's business manager, who was brilliant. They came in and laid out the numbers that there were all these underserved black communities that would respond to theaters. Lo and behold, Goober bought it. Sony bought it, they built the theaters, and started setting records in black communities. And that's really sort now, Irvin has long since, the theaters still bear his name, but he's moved on to insurance companies. The array of businesses he owns is, it's as dizzying as all the lovers he had probably when he was And that is the next question, Roland. Uh, Obviously, (laughs) in an autobiography like this, we are are on biography like this, we're going to look for the dirt. And when you think of Magic Johnson, you think of the addiction, the sex, and then the HIV diagnosis. Tell us about that part of his life. And we all know what it went through. But what did he take from that to become the success that he became? Because he had to reach a valley, go someplace that I don't think anybody ever wanted to be. But how he reacted to that in that time of Reagan and all of that was truly remarkable. It was. He stepped up to the mic. You know, he was the great smiling, happy dude in in his public appearance. He was a very tough, focused competitor. But he stepped up to that mic and owned it, and and that was obviously a very powerful thing. It changed a lot of the narrative and dialogue. It changed the world, Roland. And when we all sat there and watched him tell us he had HIV, I sat there thinking he's going to be dead in six months. I'm going to watch my idol die. And he didn't. Good point. And I think we all realized... It's not a death sentence if we if the country as a whole will address the problem. And he took the, the, the tip of the spear mantle there and changed the world. He, he really did. And I go to two interviews I did. Back in the late 80s, I interviewed Pete Newell, you know, the great coach who became the GM of the Lakers mm-hmm. in the 70s. And he said he just could not believe that 70s climate of all these wild, crazy women. So it was all true. And the hotels and pro basketball. And he said, you just couldn't believe it. And so when I was interviewing, I did a lot of interviews with Magic's high school coaches because that really projected through his whole life. And after Magic had fired his own coach, Paul Westhead, and everybody was booing him everywhere he went, all of his coaches from high school got together with all the people in the community. They went down to Chicago to visit with him when they played, the Lakers played the Bulls. Magic set up a dinner afterward. He had everybody's place to table set. He totally organized the thing down to a T. Control freak that he was. They went to dinner. They had a wonderful time. And he had rooms for them at the team hotel in Chicago. The coaches go back in the hotel and it's like a prostitute's convention in there, except they're not all prostitutes. And the, the place Jesus. is filled with women. The hallways up and around the players' Jesus. rooms, you, you just could not. And, and they look at him and say, Irvin, who in the world are all these women? Are these all prostitutes? And Magic looked at him and said, some of them are, but there's just an awful lot of women out here looking to get with the player. And... And when it was announced that the world was shocked about the HIV, mm-hmm. they looked at each other and said, we saw it. Yeah, we it, saw that world that the public didn't see. 
This is the definitive story of Irvin Magic Johnson. Those kind of stories are what you find when Lazenby writes a book. And if you're familiar with his Michael Jordan book or the, the piece of the work on Kobe and Jerry West, you know uh, the, that the, the depth of work that you do. How long did it take you to write this? This is five years of my life, and I'm no uh, young thing. I, I turned 71. <laughs> I just ruptured my quad. I'm sitting here oh, Lord. in a in a brace the length of my left leg, sitting here bedside <laughs> talking to you guys, uh, and I really thank you for the opportunity. Well, a oh, phenomenal book thank and a you. tremendous read. Pick it up wherever you get your hardcover, either online or at your local bookstore frequent. It's going to make a great Christmas gift for the Magic Johnson or the Laker fan. But basketball fans around the world, you got to read this. If you're a fan, you need to know the history behind the game. And Roland did an extraordinary job yet again. Congratulations on a great effort. Hey, get better soon, man. We look forward to seeing you when you write the Wimby book. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. Go Spurs.